are uh, into 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, we're right in the middle of our study now. And uh, we're coming to uh, verses 8, 9, and 10. And so I'd like to read uh, verses 8 uh, through 13 of 1 Corinthians 13. So you can uh, turn in your Bibles there if you want to uh, follow along. First uh, Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 8. <clears throat> Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For we see in a mirror dimly, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Uh, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we are privileged to be your people, we will take your word seriously and take as a priority in our lives to better understand your word and thereby follow you. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you'll uh, open our eyes, open our hearts, uh, be with us as we uh, proceed with this uh, study in 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, give us grace, Father, to uh, love you and to serve you. Uh, we pray that this, uh, in the end, will uh, be the case in each of our lives, and uh, for us corporately, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm calling the uh, lesson, uh, When the Perfect Comes, and uh, this has to do with the idea uh, that uh, comes to us in uh, verse 10. Uh, but when the perfect comes, uh, the partial will pass away. And of course, uh, this relates to uh, what uh, we read in verse 8, as for prophecies, uh, they will pass away. As for tongues, uh, they will cease. As for knowledge, uh, it will pass away. And uh, as I've indicated earlier, uh, the nagging question uh, becomes, when uh, uh, do uh, tongues, prophecy, and knowledge cease? And uh, the position I'm taking is that uh, when the uh, canon is closed, when uh, scripture is complete, uh, then uh, uh, tongues and knowledge and prophecy, and I think I can properly put it this way, tongues and knowledge and prophecy cease as a normative sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. And uh, as I have uh, in number one in the outline, remember the basic question 
behind our study and the threefold answer. The basic question that we've been working on is this. What is the best sign, the most important sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? And we're maintaining, I think, properly with the Apostle Paul, uh, that the best sign, the most important sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is love. And uh, this love is uh, described in verses uh, 4 and following uh, in our text. And it's also defined for us uh, by John, and this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And in the keeping of the commandments, we have an opportunity to display love, and it's to be displayed in a particular way. And the way it's to be displayed is the way Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 13:4 and following. Love is patient, love is kind, etc., etc. And then the third piece is the power of God's love, which is the Holy Spirit poured out in our lives. So this is... Uh, this is in the background now as we uh, look at uh, the text in uh, verses 8 and following. Uh, so in number 2, uh, prophecy, knowledge, and tongues cease as uh, normative signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, the uh, uh, prophecies and uh, knowledge and the tongues that Paul uh, speaks about in verse 8, of course, he's already spoken of in verse 2 of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, where he says, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but uh, have not love, I am nothing. Love uh, takes the priority. See, this is... This is what Paul is arguing, that love takes uh, the priority. And this is why he says at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, uh, I will show you a still more excellent way. And uh, this is the way of love uh, that uh, we need to cultivate. And uh, the particular gifts that Paul is uh, talking about now in uh, verse 8 uh, he uh, speaks of in chapter 12, uh, as I uh, indicate there in the outline, in chapter 12, verses 7 and following, uh, where he says, To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Uh, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing uh, by uh, the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability of distinguishing uh, spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Uh, you see, these are all gifts now uh, that were given to the church uh, uh, early in the first century. And uh, we acknowledge that this is the case. And they were... Uh, during that time, evidences of the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, within the congregation. Uh, no doubt that, that, that this is the case. And uh, 
what I'm going to be advocating is that uh, these special gifts uh, fade and uh, love then becomes the normative sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in the church and in uh, the life of the believer uh, as we pass from the apostolic age uh, in the church. Uh, so this would be the idea. When we pass from the apostolic age in the church, the canon is closed. We have uh, the complete scripture. And uh, I'm going to argue uh, the case that the perfect that Paul is speaking about is scripture. This is uh, uh, what uh, uh, he's arguing for. And then in uh, chapter 14, uh, it's, it's the same idea of the, uh, the special gifts now in the New Testament church uh, that Paul speaks of in chapter 14, verses uh, 26 and uh, following. He says, uh, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn. And uh, th- this is kind of interesting. The English Standard Version uh, translates it hymn. Uh, the original language is psalm. Each one has a psalm. <laughs> Just pointing that out, that that's, that's actually the case, and that's how the King James uh, Version reads. Uh, what then, brothers, when uh, you come together, each one has a, has a hymn or a psalm, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, uh, there, let there be one or two, at, or at the most three, and each in turn let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Uh, You see, uh, the idea is that the gifts are uh, were to be used, and they still are to be used, uh, the gifts that God gives us, uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, uh, They're not just for us to glory in uh, ourselves. And uh, this is one of the, the difficulties among the Corinthians. Uh, Paul is correcting the Corinthians and the use of, of these gifts and laying out the fact to them that the priority really is love and the time is going to come when uh, these special gifts cease. And uh, so that's where we are in uh, 1 Corinthians. And uh, as I say in number three then, knowledge and prophecy give a partial picture. So if you look at the text again, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. In other words, within... Uh, the New Testament church, if there were uh, uh, words of special revelation that were given, uh, Paul is pointing out uh, these words were uh, uh, partial. They only gave uh, a partial disclosure of what uh, God was up to, of what uh, uh, God was doing. And uh, this this is important for uh, us to understand. And uh, Paul is emphasizing this fact. And uh, if you turn to 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, 1 Peter, sorry, uh, 1 Peter, 
chapter 1 and uh, verse uh, 10. It's uh, verses 10 and 11. Uh, The Apostle Peter is talking about uh, Old Testament prophecy in particular here. And uh, notice what he says uh, about the nature of uh, this prophecy. He says, concerning this salvation, and uh, he's been talking about the salvation that comes through Christ. Uh, He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So, the prophets of old, when they prophesied about the uh, salvation that was to come, and uh, to come in the people, uh, to the people that uh, Peter is talking to uh, as he writes his letter, uh, uh, those prophets searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. They inquired about what was revealed to them because they didn't get the whole picture. They didn't understand always uh, about whom their prophecies were speaking uh, specifically, and they didn't understand uh, the times about which those prophecies were speaking. See, the prophecies were partial. They were in part. And uh, it's helpful for us to understand that uh, looking back at the Old Testament. And uh, I think this is not to say that uh, that the Old Testament prophets uh, were uh, uh, steeped in a dark cloud uh, where they didn't understand uh, things about God uh, properly. Uh, in fact, I think they actually uh, understood the things of God a lot better than many of us do today, uh, you see. And uh, we should not impute our ignorance. I always say this. We should not impute our ignorance uh, the ignorance we have today about the Bible and about the things of God uh, to the prophets of old. Because I'm sure Moses understood a lot more uh, about uh, the things of God than we do, uh, you see. Uh, but still, the prophecies are partial. And uh, this is what Paul is bearing down on uh, when he speaks in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13. And uh, we have... Uh, a great privilege, you see, because we have the complete and perfect Word of God which has been given to us, and uh, that complete Word shows us how the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled all of the Old Testament Scriptures and uh, who He is and why He came and the benefits uh, that are given to us through him. And uh, so uh, uh, Paul is just uh, reminding the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians uh, 13 that uh, speaking in his own time, and I'm going to get into this uh, idea of the word now in a later lesson, he says, for now uh, in part 
We know in part and we prophesy in part. See, uh, this was crucial uh, for Paul's argument and uh, uh, laying the foundation for uh, where he goes. Uh, number four in the outline. Verse 10 then indicates the perfect displaces the partial. Uh, notice how Paul puts this. Let's, let's read uh, verses 8, 9, and 10 again. Uh, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. See? And I think the idea here is that uh, tongues and knowledge and uh, special words of prophecy pass away as normative signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as I say in the outline, uh, the word perfect here uh, uh, means uh, mature or complete or fully developed. Now, uh, w when you think of the, the term perfect in this way, uh, it, it does apply to the idea of Scripture. In other words, when the Scriptures are complete, see, when the perfect comes, when uh, the Scriptures are fully developed, that is, when the perfect comes, the uh, partial passes away. And uh, the partial again being uh, knowledge, prophecy, and tongues. All right? So, uh, we have to let that uh, sink in a little bit, I think. Now, uh, I want to go to uh, 1 Peter again. Uh, actually, 2 Peter, because... Uh, uh, here, here we have uh, a very important word uh, in Scripture, uh, about Scripture. So, uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Second uh, Peter. This is, uh, again, the first chapter of Second uh, Peter. And uh, verses 17... And following. For we did not, this is verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we, he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was, uh, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word uh, more fully confirmed, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart, knowing 
this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, what's happening here in Second Peter and the first chapter? Uh, Peter is saying uh, to those to whom he writes that uh, he was on the mountain when Jesus Christ was transfigured. He was there on the mountain. Uh, you, you see in verse 17, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice uh, born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, what would be better than being in a place, and in this circumstance, uh, uh, Peter uh, with others and Jesus Christ, hearing the very voice of the living God on the mountain? What could be better than that? And uh, uh, Peter uh, says, uh, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. Uh, Verse 19, and we have the prophetic word, and uh, the English Standard Version reads, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Uh, 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 Other versions read like this. We have uh, the prophetic word more sure. Or uh, you could read it this way. We have a more sure prophetic word. Now, uh, Peter is comparing something with the audible voice of God which he heard on the mountain. And he's saying... Uh, to those to whom he's writing, we have a more sure word. And uh, what is Peter talking about? Well, we have to read on. Uh, To which you uh, will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing that, first of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. Uh, You see, what Peter is is comparing here is the voice of God which was heard on the mountain, the audible voice of God which was heard. He's comparing this audible voice with the written Word of God, with Scripture. And he's saying of Scripture... This scripture is a more sure word. And this is a pretty astounding statement. Now, I'm sure that many of you have played the little, little game telephone. 
Already you're smiling because, because you know what happens. Uh, uh, there's a circle, and a person in the circle is given a message, and the message is passed uh, around uh, the circle. And when the message comes back uh, to the uh, one who received the message, inevitably, you're smiling, inevitably the message is changed, right? And uh, this is so common that we take it for granted. And uh, this is in part uh, why it's important for us to see uh, Scripture as a more sure word. Uh, Scripture is not a word uh, that's just passed down from one generation to another. Uh, and uh, we don't know for sure if the message is correct as it's been uh, transmitted uh, from one generation to another. And uh, many of us in our own families uh, are familiar uh, with uh, legends uh, that are passed down uh, within our own families. And uh, sometimes we find out that these uh, legends are correct uh, for the most part. Uh, but in many circumstances, uh, we find out that these legends are what we call urban myth. <laughs> They're nice stories. And uh, what Peter is maintaining here in Second Peter is that the Scriptures are the sure word of prophecy. See? Now, now we have the same idea as uh, uh, Paul is speaking about in 1 Corinthians 13. Prophecy will cease. Well, one reason prophecy will cease is that it becomes inscripturated so that it is a more sure word. Uh, I remember in seminary, uh, standing out behind uh, the house uh, where uh, I lived uh, with a number of other fellows in uh, Pasadena, California. And uh, I was uh, uh, washing and polishing my uh, uh, Volkswagen Beetle. And I fell into a conversation with... Uh, uh, a fellow student, and I remember quite vividly uh, stomping my foot on the ground and uh, saying with regard to Scripture, Scripture is more sure and a more sure foundation than the concrete on which we're standing. And I was rather vehement about it. Uh, uh, but but uh, that's where we are. It, it is... This is the idea. It is a more sure word. And uh, uh, so uh, I, I'm fitting this into the argument, uh, going back to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, in the text in verse 10, but when the perfect comes, the perfect word of the living God. And... Uh, uh, I'll be working on this some more, uh, but when the perfect comes, the partial is done away, uh, which means uh, prophecy and tongues 
and special knowledge are done away. And especially, I think, again, we can say that they no longer are, because the canon is closed and we have the perfect Word of God, they are no longer the normative signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Love is the normative sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I reference the catechism here. The first three questions and answers. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to uh, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So we, we all know this. What rule has God given to us in order that we may glorify and enjoy God? The Word of God which is contained in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments is the only word given to us that we may glorify and enjoy God. The scriptures. This is where the catechism goes. What do the scriptures principally teach? The scriptures principally teach what we are to know about God, what we are to understand about God, and what our duty is before God. The scriptures teach us about these things. It's the perfect word of God. This is is where we must go. And this must be the priority as we understand it. Okay. So now we come to a little conundrum. Uh, Some people will come uh, to you and to me, and and perhaps you've uh, said this yourself. I have. But the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. And uh, this becomes an issue. Now, all of a sudden, we're back in 1 Corinthians 13. You you follow me here? The Lord spoke to me. In other words, I received a a word, a special word from God. Now, I'll I'll give you my own experience here. And uh, uh, what happened to me? Uh, After I was converted to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, I uh, felt impelled uh, to go to seminary. And uh, I hardly knew what a seminary was. And uh, uh, one day, this was in South Korea, one day I'm standing in a dingy old shower <laughs> in uh, a Quonset hut, which was uh, uh, our barracks in uh, South Korea, And uh, from my perspective, I heard a voice. 
And uh, the voice was this, Denny, you're going to seminary. This made an impression on me. And uh, in God's providence, I did go to seminary. And uh, in a class, uh, this was Fuller Seminary in California, uh, in a class, and I was, I was kind of a belligerent student uh, when I was there. Uh, uh, in a class, uh, one of the professors, I related this story uh, to uh, uh, the professor and, uh, in one of my classes, and the professor said, well, uh, I- I'm going to guess I wasn't there, uh, Mr. Pruto. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't there, uh, but I'm going to guess that if you had an audiometer in the shower with you and uh, had a recorder uh, in the shower with you, that the audiometer would have read zero and there would be nothing except the water falling in the shower on the recording. <laughs> and uh, I had to confess he was probably right. I, you know, I, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, th- this, this incident in my life, uh, this kind of an incident was never repeated. So I I couldn't say that this was a common thing. And I I would not say that uh, this uh, voice, I put it in quotes, uh, was not an indication that I was full of the Holy Spirit as I stood in that shower. That this was not uh, an evidence of the fact that I was full of the Holy Spirit as I stood in that shower. Now, you, you might uh, take exception to me uh, on this count, uh, but, I, but I would say that this was the case. And, and I would go back to 1 Corinthians 13, and I would say, uh, such occurrences are not the normative evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. What is the normative evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? Paul is vying for the love of God as that evidence. Okay? That's what he's vying for. Uh, now, uh, uh, it was communicated to me before the class that a, m- a member of the class uh, has some charismatic background. Okay? And uh, I said, uh, I can understand that. I have a little charismatic background myself. And uh, uh, next time we're together, I, I want to talk about tongues uh, in this same way. But in this lesson, I want to bear down on this idea of uh, the Lord has spoken to me.
the, the typical understanding, as I say in the outline, of uh, uh, this uh, idea, the Lord has spoken to me, is that uh, uh, I have a question about uh, my uh, life and uh, uh, I'm asked, uh, well, what, what do you think the solution uh, to your question is? And uh, I respond by saying, well, I've, I've prayed about it and I have peace and so I'm going to uh, proceed with uh, the option that uh, I seem as a, uh, think is appropriate. Uh, I, I remember uh, a young lady uh, uh, early in, in my pastorate who had the option of uh, uh, taking a job, and uh, I said, well, uh, what are you going to do? And she said, well, I've decided to take the job. I've prayed about it, and I have peace about it. And uh, a couple of days later, she came back, and she said, uh, uh, after I query her, well, how's the job going? She said, well, I quit. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, well, why was that? She said, well, I have other employment, uh, which I really need to keep, uh, to uh, help uh, support our family. And uh, 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 this job that uh, I took competed with uh, this other employment. And uh, 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 the times I had to work uh, were in conflict, so I couldn't uh, keep the job. And I said, well, if you'd have just thought this through a little bit, <laughs> you could have saved yourself a lot of trouble and uh, uh, th then you have to ask the question, what happened to the peace? See? What happened to the peace? And uh, uh, we run a little red flag up uh, uh, with this idea that it's easy for us to follow our feelings, and our feelings are not always in accord with the Scriptures. And so we have to be careful, you see. Scripture must take the priority. Uh, this is what uh, must happen. Uh, I, I'd like to uh, take a look at a couple of, of texts here. Uh, Philippians 4. And so if you look at uh, Philippians... Uh, Philippians 4, let's, let's look at uh, uh, verse 9 in uh, Philippians 4. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, notice the sequence. What you've heard from me, practice these things. 
and the God of peace will be with you. Or, peace that comes from God will be with you. What's the idea here? Feelings follow. Feelings follow. See, that's, that's one of the principles here. It's not that you follow your feelings. It's that you follow Scripture. And feelings follow with regard to the circumstance and the situation. You see, the idea here is that Scripture takes the priority. And uh, it seems to me we have to be careful here. Uh, uh, Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Where is the priority? The Word of God. The Word of God comes first. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's very striking, is it not, that the priority is on Scripture. The priority is on following Scripture. And feelings follow. This would be the idea. It shouldn't be the other way around. Uh, uh, if you have questions about the future, or employment, or in school, see, pray about it. Okay? And you need to be settled in your heart uh, with regard to it. And you need to get counsel from others. See, wisdom comes in a multitude of counselors. But in the end, say, following Scripture, following the Word of God is what's important. I would put it this way. The Bible says that we ought to be good laborers, good workers, good stewards. Uh, so you would never say, although you may feel like it, you would never say when the alarm clock uh, goes off in the morning, well, I'm not going to work today. And the reason I'm not going to work today is I don't feel like it. You wouldn't say that. And if your children, uh, uh, when you wake up your children and uh, they say, well, uh, Mom or Dad, I don't feel like going to school today. Uh, you yank them out of bed and say, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you feel. This is what you're going to do. Okay? 
And uh, this is part of the biblical model. This is part of the biblical principle. That feelings follow. And you know this is the case. If you do something wrong, what happens? You feel bad about it. This, This is usually what happens. But if you do something that's good and helpful uh, in your family or with someone else, uh, you, you feel uh, good about what has taken place. You see, feelings follow. Uh, this is the principle. And uh, so uh, I'm just raising the issue, see. It's very easy for us to say, well, I have peace about uh, uh, something, and so I'm going to do it. And... Uh, it may not be the wisest thing to do in accordance with the Word of God. Scripture must take priority. And so, what I'm laboring to indicate is that so-called special words of knowledge are not normative signs of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Paul is arguing for the priority of love, and it's the priority of love as love is described in Scripture and defined in Scripture and empowered by God and by the Holy Spirit as Scripture indicates. This is the idea. And so again, it's the priority of Scripture. And so, uh, I would say again, you see, love is the normative sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Lord, thanks for uh, your goodness and grace. We uh, thank you that you uh, love us and care for us. We uh, thank you that you uh, lead us uh, in and by your word. And you give us your Holy Spirit to cause us to follow what is written in your word. And we thank you that this is indeed the safe course for us to take. Grant us an understanding in this, we pray. And pour your love out in our hearts as Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 13 so that we might live lives of love before you and among your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.